The Blood Flow Restriction Podcast is brought to you by Saga, a world leader in innovative BFR technology. For more information on our Bluetooth-enabled auto-calibrating BFR cuffs, head over to our website at saga.fitness. And if you'd like to pick up a set for yourself, you can save 20% with the discount code BFRPODCAST. With that said, let's move on to part two of our BFR and cognition series. If you haven't listened to part one, I'd encourage you to do so. We did a high level or broad literature review on general exercise and cognition, then laid the groundwork on how BFR might fit into the equation. So you'll understand this episode and the following episodes much better if you spend seven or so minutes going through that part one episode. To reiterate, this is a four-part series, and it's based on a 2021 hypothesis paper called Acute Exercise and Cognition, a review with testable questions for future research into cognitive enhancement with blood flow restriction. And it's linked in the show notes if you'd like to follow along. In this part two, we're going to review the two direct BFR and cognition studies referenced in that hypothesis paper. So there's, to my knowledge, only two papers that directly have looked into BFR and cognition at this point. And the authors of this hypothesis paper reference that, or they note that literature is limited, but the literature that we do have is a resistance training study. And the other one was a low intensity walking study. Both of them are really interesting. So let's jump right in. On the resistance training study, uh, it's titled low load resistance exercise improves cognitive function in older adults. This was a crossover design. They took 21 healthy adults. Technically they started with 24, but three dropped out. So for these 21 healthy adults, the exercise of choice was a leg press, and there were four protocols you could call them. So there was a control group where they actually just sat in the leg press machine for 10 minutes, didn't do any movement, no reps. Uh, they literally just sat in the leg press. Then there was a uh, four sets to failure at 80% of the subject's one rep max. Then there was a next protocol, which was four sets to failure at 30% of one rep max. And then there was a BFR group that did the popular 30, 15, 15, 15 protocol, uh, which we've done a full episode on. Fun fact, that is our most popular episode to date. So if you want all the details on that protocol, you can find more information there. But that was the protocol that the BFR group did. So it was 30, 15, 15, and they were at 50% of systolic blood pressure for the pressure settings. They used a 17 and a half centimeter wide cuff, which is pretty wide, kind of at the top end uh, range there for BFR cuffs, but just noting that. And what they did was they compared pre and post changes in Stroop test to assess cognitive function between the different exercise conditions and the control group, of course. And what the Stroop test is, is it's a classic psychological task uh, that's used to measure cognitive control and selective attention. It's named after John Stroop uh, from the 1930s, I believe. He was a psychologist. And participants are presented with a list of color words. So red, blue, green. And these color words are written in either colors that are congruent or non-congruent, meaning the letter red could be written on the board and it was written in red ink, that would be congruent. Uh, but at other times, the word red could be written on the board, but it's written in blue ink, which would be incongruent. And the participants are instructed to name the, the ink color instead of the word itself. So you kind of have to ignore what's written and read the actual color that you're seeing. Another assessment focused more on neutral stimuli. So the color, the actual color that you're seeing of the words never changed. It was always in white, but the word itself was it would be a different color. So it would say red, blue, or orange, uh, but it would be in white letters. And this study showed a reduction in a, in a positive way in reaction time of those neutral stimuli 
for the BFR group and the low load group. So the group that did four sets at 30% to failure and the 30-15-15-15 group saw a favorable reduction in reaction time of neutral stimuli. That said, there was no significant difference between the BFR group and the low load group. In other words, BFR appeared not to offer an additional benefit to low load training, but it did offer a benefit above control and above the high load group. So the group that uh, did four sets at 80% to failure. Interestingly, none of the exercise conditions appeared to benefit interference control. So identifying those incongruent stimuli we were just talking about. So when the word red is written on the board, but it's written in blue color, uh, blue coloring, none of the exercise conditions seem to benefit from that. But there are some limitations there. For one, the authors in that study didn't report the timing of the post-test administration which has been found to moderate changes in cognition in a few meta-analytic reviews. So one of them would be the effects of acute exercise on cognitive performance, a meta-analysis. Uh, and there, the authors suggest that lower intensity exercise may have an effect immediately after, whereas when you start to get into more high intensity exercise, there's probably a recovery period before you can see any sort of favorable response. And in that study, all the exercise conditions resulted in near max perceived exertion. So if that assessment was pretty close to uh, completion of their exercise session, they could have been still inside that recovery window and it would have explained the lack of enhancement of interference control. Brief pause, if you're enjoying the BFR podcast and wanna learn more about BFR training, we've put together a free BFR ebook for you. The Comprehensive Guide to BFR Training covers everything from basics of BFR physiology to benefits, protocols, research reviews, and more. You can find a link to download it in the show notes or directly on our site at saga.fitness. All right, let's get back to the show. Thankfully, the next study that we're gonna review involved low intensity exercise, so we'll see what the impact was like on interference control. But to wrap up this resistance training study, what we saw was the 30% uh, of 1RM to failure low load group and the 30-15-15-15 under BFR protocol groups saw enhanced reaction times to congruent stimuli, more so than the high load group, so the 80% of 1RM and of course the control. But none of the groups saw changes above control for incongruent stimuli reaction time. But again, this could be due or is probably due to timing of the post-test admin. Uh, administration because high intensity exercise can take longer to recover from. Pretty straightforward. So on to the walking study. Uh, this is titled Blood Flow Restriction Improves Executive Function After Walking. This one is super interesting. Uh, it investigated whether walking with blood flow restriction improves interference control, uh, which would just be the ability to suppress irrelevant or distracting information in order to focus on a specific task or goal. Again, the color, we're gonna get into uh, color identification, et cetera. This was another crossover design. So we had our control group, which just sat rested for 15 minutes. And they actually did seated with and without BFR just to see if BFR, even apart from exercise, had any impact. And then there was a five kilometer an hour walking for two minutes on, one minute off for five sets without BFR. And then that same protocol, but under BFR. And this was 200 millimeters of mercury on each leg. So the results supported the hypothesis that the authors had, which was that blood flow restriction at rest did not increase blood lactate or enhance interference control compared to seated rest alone. So probably not a ton of benefits to just sitting under BFR, at least in this case, when it comes to trying to have any sort of improvement on acute cognition. 
But the group that walked with blood flow restriction uh, did elevate their blood lactate and improved interference control compared to walking alone. And I mentioned this previously, but we're going to get into a whole discussion on lactate on part three in this series. It plays a, a central role in what appears to be some benefits to cognition from BFR. The authors, one of the things they note in this hypothesis paper is that these results may indicate that low intensity aerobic exercise with BFR could be a surrogate strategy to enhance cognition for individuals who are not willing or incapable of performing moderate to vigorous activity intensity exercise. So to get your blood lactate levels up, uh, to get them high enough to elicit some sort of favorable acute cognitive response, you either have to push pretty high on the output or you've got to go under BFR and you can remain at a lower intensity. And the rationale for this study was driven from the hypothesis of lactate-induced increase in cerebral metabolism. Uh, from a paper we'll link, lactate transport and signaling in the brain, potential therapeutic targets and roles in the body-brain interaction. And since blood flow restriction seems to promote exercise-induced lactate production to a fairly significant degree, uh, we've seen this in a paper we've reviewed before, acute physiological responses to low-intensity blood flow restriction cycling. Uh, we can sort of connect the dots a little bit here that BFR could uh, provide an augment to low-intensity training that enhances uh, acute cognition. So to recap, we've got two studies to date looking at BFR and cognition directly. The resistance training study showed improved reaction time to congruent stimuli from low load BFR versus control and high load, uh, but it wasn't different from just low load alone. And none of those exercise conditions, however, showed improvements in interference control. But again, to recap, that could have just been due to the timing of the post-test administration. The, the subjects probably just needed a little bit more time to recover, operating under the assumption that they did uh, perform these assessments too close to the exercise bout. And then the aerobic study showed a clear benefit to BFR versus non-BFR walking at the same speed. Uh, this is probably due to exercise-induced lactate production. Uh, interference control was improved as well, which makes sense given that the RPE, so unlike the uh, resistance training study where pretty much all the subjects were at near maximal RPE, this, this walking under BFR study, I mean, you're looking at five kilometers an hour for two minutes, and then you get a minute off, and they did that about five times. Not the most difficult session for somebody who's in reasonable condition. Uh, so their RPE was fairly low. Their heart rate remained fairly low. Uh, so that re that needed recovery phase probably just wasn't there, which is why we would have seen uh, interference control improvements. So where we sit in part two so far, combining part one and part two, uh, part one, we reviewed the broad acute impacts of exercise on cognitive function and discussed how BFR kind of set the stage for how BFR might fit into the equation. And then in this episode, we just went through the two direct studies on BFR and cognition. But how exactly does it work? This is probably what most people are interested in. You know, how does walking under BFR potentially lead to better acute improvements in cognition than walking without BFR? What mechanisms are at play that could explain the potential cognitive benefits to BFR training? That is what we're going to discuss in part three, which is our potential mechanisms of action episode. And we will see you there very shortly. <laughs>